Hello there, Salim Omar here, bringing you another episode of the e-commerce Money Map podcast. I am super excited. We have an amazing guest. His name is Zach Leonard. Zach, welcome. Thank you, Salim. Happy to be here. Awesome. And I know you're vacationing in Cape Cod. <laughs> and yeah, awesome. Good stuff. Let me quickly share your bio, and then I'll ask you to kind of give us your backstory, and then we'll kind of dive right in. Perfect. Zach is the CPO, Chief Product Officer, President, and Co-Founder of Gemba, where they help Amazon and e-commerce centers design, research, manufacture, and promote products. Zach was on the ground floor of the unicorn company Instacart, helping build the Texas markets from zero to seven figures in weekly cross-merchandise value. He's got a Master's degree in business administration from Texas McCombs School of Business, lives with his wife, daughter, and two dogs in Austin, Texas. Zach, welcome. And perhaps let's start off with your backstory, a kind of a high level of what have been some high points in your career? What brings you to date? Here we are. Sure. Thanks, Salim. I appreciate it. Yeah. So started my career after school, going into consulting and worked at a company called KPMG, helping banks assess their credit risk operations, you know, from there moved on to Instacart. I had a itch to get into the startup world and I got lucky. I was one of the first, you know, few employees at Instacart and saw it go from, you know, series A to unicorn status in the span of the couple of years that I was there. So, you know, saw a lot of crazy things happen along that growth curve. I helped, you know, foster relationships with Costco and Whole Foods and HEB down in Texas and grew the markets, like you said, from, you know, zero to seven figures in GMV on a weekly basis. So pretty exponential and crazy growth there. Went into work for another delivery startup in Austin, and then I got the itch to do my own thing. And, you know, I was down in the last mile of logistics and supply chain and always thought that there was more value to be had higher up in the supply chain. And what I found was that my why and my purpose of helping others really resonated with the small and mid-sized businesses who needed a lot of help and didn't necessarily have the resources or know how to do what we do at Gemba, which is help them create products or, you know, find manufacturers overseas or give them expertise along that entire ecosystem. So that's kind of how the genesis of Gemba started. I had two other co-founders that, you know, we kind of worked, you know, <laughs> typical startup way where you know, meeting once a month and it turned into every couple of weeks, then once a week, then daily. And we we're just kind of like, all right, what are we doing here? And started to get customers on and you know, prove out product market fit, you know, learn a ton along the way. And, you know, now Gemba has, you know, helped bring over a thousand products to the market. And yeah, along the entire, you know, some are created by us, some are, you know, manufactured by our partners overseas and, you know, Vietnam or China or India or Mexico. So yeah, it's been a crazy, crazy ride to get to where we are today. Wow. That's amazing. How long have you, has it been since you started Gemba? Yeah. So officially it's like almost a five-year anniversary to the day. Wow. Wow. Yeah. We started officially five years ago and then four years ago, you know, I jumped and joined full-time myself and I actually got our first big order on my wife and I's honeymoon. So I was up late <laughs> taking the order, you know, <laughs> entrepreneur startup grind. Yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that, obviously, but it was a fun way to dive into the business. Yeah, that's amazing. And, you know, your story kind of, I'm sure, resonates with a lot of listeners, resonates with me. That, you know, we were in corporate America, KPMG or whatever outfit it was or whatever, you know, corporation we, we worked in. 
And we said, you know what? I want to do my own thing. I, I want to be an entrepreneur and we start our business. And so you've been at it for five years and that's congrats, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Thank you. One of the things that you believe in from, you know, looking at your materials is that, you know, being a purpose-driven business. And what I've noticed working with businesses is that for the last 26 years, you know, in my own business, working with small businesses across different industries is they start with a purpose and they start with a vision, but they lose that purpose and that vision somewhere along their journey. And many times it's within those first five years. What has it been like for you and, and your partner? You, you, you know, you said you're a co-founder of Gamba or your leadership team. What's been it like for you guys to kind of keep your purpose and your vision in front of you all the time? Yeah, I think, you know, we've done a great job of bringing in a management team that is, you know, purpose and value driven. I think, you know, the name of our company, Gemba, which quite literally in the Japanese Kaizen Manufacturing Theory is the place where value is created. And so that's part of our purpose is that we always want to bring value to our customers, whether it's, you know, bottom line value, whether it's some research to give them insights, whether it's, you know, helping them solve, you know, complex problems with the product, right? So that's really the main, like one of the main things that we strive for. One of our core values that we've come up with is called Be the Gemba, which is be the value. That's mm. a lot of what, you know, we preach company-wide to make sure everyone stays focused on our mission and our vision and, and what we really want to do here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my company's name is Essenshi. We provide, you know, accounting services, CFO services, tax services, and so forth to e-commerce businesses. And Isenshi is a Japanese term. Why is it that we, you know, we go to Japanese terms when we're looking to create a, you know, to find a name yeah, for our business? I find the, the Japanese culture very fascinating. And I, I actually took a trip over there a few years ago for the first time. And I was just blown away by, you know, how nice they were to everybody, how great the ecosystem was. And they have, a, you know, obviously a deep-rooted culture with all the dynasties and everything that's gone on there. And I think you can feel that when you go and visit there. So I don't, I don't know. It's definitely something, you know, a lot of people strive to do. And I think a lot of the efficiencies that they brought to the world, especially on the manufacturing floor was, you know, Kaizen manufacturing theory. I think that's part of why we've adopted the name Gemba. Nice. Yeah. I love the name Gemba. Thank you. It just rolls out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's quite a process to find the right name for a business. And I know we went through so many iterations where we were looking for a name for our e-commerce business and we, you know, ultimately settled with Essenshi, but there were days and days and days and you're thinking like of all the different types of names and, you know, yeah. <laughs> every day it becomes about names. You look at the sky and you're looking at the earth or yeah. the ocean and it's like, all right, is there a word, you know, uh, an inspiration I can get from this moment right. that's going to be the name of my business? Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those, you know, creative mind way of thinking and not everyone has that, but yeah, it's fun to come up with some names. There are some names that I remember we put on the board and we're just like... Yeah. <laughs> that's not going to work. <laughs> right. 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 So... Five years in business, you know, maybe you share with us one or two challenges that you faced and how did you address those challenges? Yeah. I mean, I think the most obvious one that, you know, any business that's been around for the last few years is COVID. We had to <laughs> rapidly adapt. I mean, we, we like to think that we, we didn't necessarily start remote work, but we definitely fostered it from the get-go because we had a team in China that, you know, in different parts of China when we launched, because our theory was that we wanted to have local support for small and 
and mid-sized businesses in the countries that they're doing manufacturing. But, you know, when COVID started, China shut down and then the U.S. shut down, right? And so we had to move pretty quickly. And also from a marketing standpoint, like we were still, you know, very early in our funding journey and we had done a lot more of guerrilla marketing, like podcasts or go to small events and not spend a ton of money. So we had to mm-hmm. adopt a digital marketing strategy and it actually, you know, COVID was obviously terrible for the world, but it actually helped Gemba, you know, grow pretty exponentially during that time, as you saw the e-commerce boom. And then I think now with the current challenges more on the e-commerce headwinds that they're facing, you know, the slowdown in the economy and we're kind of dealing with that in real time as well. So it's like kind of seeing the seesaw go one way or another, I think, you know, cool and calm heads, you know, will prevail in these kind of uncharted waters where you're seeing seesaw and crazy, you know, spikes in supply chain costs and then crashes in supply chain costs and, you know, the economy going whatever way. So, you know, the fact that we're still here and doing well, and it's a testament to the team that we've created and fostered and grown over the course of the last five years. And, you know, we've always had that really be human aspect of it since our company is you know, multicultural and all over the world. We celebrate the humanity of, of what it means to bring products to life. You mentioned something about cool heads. Can you repeat that sentence, cool heads prevail or something of that sort? Yeah. Right now, when there's a lot of craziness that's out there in the world, I think the ability to stay cool and calm and collected, keep an even keel, you know, that's kind of right. how, we, how we like to approach this, not overreact or, you know, news is news and, you know, things are happening all over. You got to tune out the noise and make sure that you can stay calm and focused. Yeah. As we move forward. And so it's really deciphering, Zach, you know, what's relevant and what's not relevant, right? So right. not getting overwhelmed with the stuff that's not relevant, but then having that core, calm and collected mindset to stay focused on what is relevant. Right. So kind of, you know, and really having a culture that is all on the same page and, and very focused and so right that that is what prevails. Because businesses are going to go through different seasons. Right. It's cyclical, you know, there are external factors and so forth, COVID being major one. And as a business, that is what prevails. And really, I saw many businesses that were struggling during COVID, but they came out stronger yeah. after COVID. And it's because of that mindset. And I really feel that mindset plays such a huge role, you know, mindset and then building a team and a culture. That yeah. helps us prevail through the downs, right? Absolutely. We actually just had a company offsite last week. And I think it, you know, came in a really great time when, you know, the news and everything out there is starting to, you know, turn towards, are we going through recession, whatever. But when you bring people together, I think you really feel that culture. And, you know, last week we had, you know, 40 people in town and we were, you know, the collaboration and the teamwork that was going on to try and, you know, come up with new ideas and implement them as soon as possible to help us grow and, you know, catapult to the next level. Yeah, I agree with you. Like that kind of stuff is priceless in terms of the ROI that you get from bringing those types of events together and bringing the people together to really yeah. feel what that culture is all about. Yeah. I want to shift gears a bit and talk about how do you help your clients through the innovation process? Absolutely. So. The cool thing about our company is that, you know, like I said, our goal is to match our customers with the expertise along the entire product development cycle. So they can come into us with a brand new idea or they can come to us with trying to revamp their existing product line or if they want to go out and add complementary SKUs to their existing product line. But it really starts with research and development, right? Like 
you think about the biggest companies in the world that do this from a product standpoint, it's car companies and, and Apple and stuff like they come out with new products every single mm-hmm. year because the world expects them to do that. Small to mid-sized businesses can't afford that. They can't afford to be an R&D every year and have a three-year development cycle and test out new things, right? They have to get things out in the market and then let their customers be the feedback and hopefully they can make it to a second product or second iteration of their product. So what we do in the research and development side of it is we help match them with that expertise. So let's say they're trying to make some shoes. We have a stable of people who have worked at Nike and Under Armour on shoes that we match them up with to help them get past that hump of like, it's in my mind or I'm trying to come up with a new idea and find out if that idea is actually feasible. Like, is this something that can be done? You know, anything can really be created, but can it be created for a price and a value that customers will buy it at that gives you a margin, right? Like that's the new product business. And then the other part of it is it can be manufactured. And so earlier on in the process, then, you know, if you were to go to design agency or a design shop or just solely with a designer, we embed the manufacturer who could be working on your project early on in the process. We call that design for manufacturing. And what they do is they'll start to tell you what can and can't possible for a manufacturing process as well. So you're getting the experts who have worked on products similar to what you've been doing. You're matched up with the factories that can actually make it. And then you have a big collaboration on our platform where it brings all those players together to start talking and iterating on your products so that you have a, the best shot possible getting that product out into the market in a successful manner. That's awesome. I'm curious to know what are like budgeted time constraints when adopting technology for innovation purposes? Yeah, I think it all depends on how fast the company wants to move, right? So the easiest way to get something out in the market is to take something that exists and make some slight changes to it. For a manufacturing process, you know, the machines and the capabilities have already been created for the most part. And so if you can make slight tweaks to something that's already been created, the time and budget is much lower than if you're doing something that's completely new, right? If you're bringing some new technology to the world, you know, you're talking about a long testing cycle. You're talking about probably one get patents around that because it has been created and patent process can take, you know, a year or two, depending on if it's utility or design patent. So yeah, I mean, from a budget and time perspective, it's really, really dependent on how in depth and how fast the company wants to move and how much of it is, you know, completely new to the world versus how much is something that's already been created that you're just making some slight and subtle tweaks to. Yeah. And the platform that you guys have created at Gemba, the innovation platform, what does that do for an e-commerce business? Yeah. So I think there's a few things it does. You know, one, it, it obviously matches the expertise to the product and to the client. So whoever, you know, if I have, like I said before, like if you're a shoe company and you want to work with some of the best in the world, you can do that through our platform, both from a design perspective and engineering perspective, as well as a manufacturing perspective. And I think again, as far as the timing goes, it just shorten the time down because you're working with people who've done it before versus trying to go do it yourself. And you're getting that expertise right at the click of a button once you come to our website. And I think also, you know, for people who haven't done it before, it's going to save you a ton of cost, opportunity cost of getting the product launched because it takes longer doing it yourself just naturally. And then also from a cost perspective, because the buying power that our, our team has in the factories, we're able to get you know, potentially better costs than you would be able to do on your own since this is your only product versus our company who's launched, you know, thousands of products, like I mentioned before. So I think that's the ability, you know, from a scale perspective, we help get you to scale faster. We help you get your products launched faster. We help get the answers faster in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, is it feasible or not? Got it. Yeah, this is so good. Thank you for yeah, so being so generous with all the insights you shared about the space here. What are one or two pieces of advice, Zank, that you'd give to an e-commerce business 
that's kind of things that you often see being overlooked or they're not being considered as much as they should? It's a great question. And I think one thing that I always preach to any, you know, customer, random person, whoever, who's trying to create a product is really treat your manufacturing partner as they should be treated, which is probably, in my opinion, the second most valuable person on your team. I feel that your customers are obviously the most valuable people on your team because they're telling you the feedback. They're the ones who love your product. They're going to give you feedback on, you know, how to make changes, things that they like, things that they don't like. So you can really take that and make your second iteration or add more products to your catalog. But I think what people often overlook is the relationship that they have with their factories. They're human, they're a business, they're trying to help you win as well. And so if you value them like that and you value them as a part of your team and you treat them with respect and, you know, on Chinese New Year or, or, you know, the holidays, you reach out to them and send them gifts or you, you know, treat them like, you know, you would as any other member of your team. I think you're going to see a much more fruitful, much more respectful, much more long lasting business relationship. And I think people in today's setting don't understand that, especially in the days of, you know, COVID where you can't actually go visit your factory. It becomes a lot more challenging to have that human interaction, that human experience of really going and building a relationship with your factory. So, you know, I think from my perspective, spend more time, you know, really being human with your factory partner. Yeah. Yeah. You can never go wrong being human, right? <laughs> right. With everyone, with our neighbor, with right. people that we meet in a supermarket and, and so forth. And really, I mean, you know, we talked about culture earlier on, right? Culture prevails when you've got an amazing team. Mm-hmm. you know, in-house. And we think sometimes of culture as employees. And what you're sharing here, I feel, is extending that concept to really having our, you know, the manufacturing partners as part of our culture. Right. And doing things we would do for our employees and, you know, extending it to them as well. And build yeah. that relationship where they're going to go above and beyond when you want them to go above and beyond. Exactly. I think... You know, our company being worldwide, one of our core values is smash the barriers and it's also do the right thing. Those are two of our core values. I think smash the barriers really comes from, you know, whatever news or whatever, you know, preconceived notion you have of whatever culture that you're doing business with, like that doesn't matter anymore. You need to be able to reach across the pond and shake hands and like be able to get past any, you know, prejudice or whatever it is that you have of that. And then do the right thing. All same thing. Like you just, at the end of the day, if you're doing the right thing, you're going to feel good about what you're doing. And you'll know that deep down, regardless of the decision that you make, if it's guided by doing the right thing, then you're going to feel good about it. Super good. Awesome. Great. Man, I'm looking at the clock and we've got like a minute left here and I want to kind of wrap up. I'm going to shift gears a little bit and ask you about a thing I usually don't ask people about. Is there a particular book that you read or podcast you listen to other than mine that really helped you in your career? Yeah, a book that I will always prescribe to anyone, you know, regardless if you're in business or not, is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Mm. I think it's one that you constantly go back to and just keep reading and learn and, and really go deep and understand, you know, what it is to have a, a high motor. And so a lot of, you know, the things that I like to do or things that I think about, you know, is obviously being proactive and beginning with the end in mind. Like those are the first two habits that he has in that book. And to me, it's, you know, if you're proactive versus reactive, if you're always like, what's your end goal? And then figure out what that is. And then start at the beginning and figure out how you map your way to that end goal, especially in the product world, you know, that'll help you, I think, be a a guiding light and a guiding principle for you to be successful, whatever you do in life. Yeah. 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 And that is a phenomenal book. It's one of my all-time favorites. 
Dr. Stephen Covey, the author, he just created some amazing work yeah. with yeah. that book. It's like, it's going to be around for, I think, years and years and centuries and so forth, because that stuff is so timeless. There's the seven principles, seek Christ right. to understand then to be understood. Right. Just like the whole seven principles, each one, I use it every day, like in my right. weekly meetings and my daily huddles. You know, right. and whenever we come back to those principles, we feel we work just in a better way with our clients, with our team members and so forth. So thank yeah. you for uh, sharing that and reminding myself and the audience about, you know, how strong, how great this book is, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great one. Highly recommend yeah. it. Zach, what's the best way for people to find you, best way for someone to reach out to you? Yeah. If you want to get in touch with our business, feel free to go to www.gemba.com. That's G-E-M-B-A-H.com. Or you can find me on LinkedIn. Feel free to send me a note saying you, you heard about it on the podcast and I'm happy to chat with you and see if there's anything I can be helpful with. That's awesome. Great, man. Thank you so much. This was so insightful. So much wisdom that you shared with us. Really appreciate it. We'll have the, in the show notes, everything, the links that you've shared with us, the resources. So we'll do that. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. and. Enjoy your vacation in Cape Cod. Thanks, Salim. It was great to be here and appreciate you as well. And have a great rest of your day. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to the e-commerce money map podcast. If you'd like to hear more episodes, you can find them at ecommercemoneymap.com or on your favorite podcast directory. Don't forget to like and subscribe. If you want to learn more about the e-commerce accounting hub, visit ecommerceaccountinghub.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time on the e-commerce money map podcast.